0: Hello, and welcome to Ferris Forward. I'm your host, Dave Eisler. And I'm pleased to be joined today by Dr. Michael Staley, who's the Dean of the College of Engineering Technology at Ferris State University. Mike, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, thank you for having me.
0: And Mike joined our campus in in July as a new dean. And how has it been adjusting to Ferris in this time of social distancing and Zoom calls.
1: Well, it's been an interesting time to transition for, sur- for sure, but uh, everyone has welcomed me, made me feel at home. I've, I've uh, had a great transition.
0: And, and you've joined us from, from Florida, is that right?
1: That's right. I was the Dean for Engineering, Design, and Construction at Seminole State in Florida, uh, Orlando. I was the Dean there for about 10 years. Um, I have about 16 years in higher education, And prior to that, uh, worked as a practicing engineer, um, designing aerospace, laboratories, and some theme park attractions.
0: Well, we're pleased to have you here. I know our faculty are glad to have you leading leading our college. What attracted you to Ferris?
1: The focus on professional education, this theory to practice approach um, that is really at the heart of the Ferris DNA, really uh, attracted me. Um, I believe that engineering and engineering technology has has shifted in this country too far to the theoretical. Um, And uh, this uh, theory to practice approach, giving students real life hands-on experience as they enter the workforce, um, really builds a work-ready graduate. And that really appealed to me. Um, I also think that the theory-based education that happens other places, uh, may be excluding people from the profession, who could contribute greatly to solving some of our greatest problems, and so I'm a true believer in this theory to practice approach to education,
0: and I agree. What are your impressions so so far, Ferris? Uh, we always love having new people at, at our university because we can loo- we can learn from your perspective.
1: <laughs> well, my first impression: uh, faculty care deeply about their programs and their students. That's apparent, uh, and how they pivoted and 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 really. Uh, Changed their their educational uh, delivery to the uh, COVID virus, uh, you know, constraints, um, and 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 more than that, um, you know, I've met faculty like Brian Pahoka, who, um, in the midst of of the pandemic, saw a way to use his skills to help people through this time of of uncertainty by building face shields, um, and uh, and and faculty like Steve Wolfer, um, who is building. Um, a remote robotics laboratory for his students to write code to manipulate a robotic arm remotely. Uh, These are things that just didn't happen a few years ago. Uh, The faculty rolled up their sleeves, and they're finding ways to deliver this real-world education, even remotely.
0: Listeners to our program, we had Brian on a couple weeks ago, and he talked about Operation Face Shield, but talk a little bit about this remote robotics lab. How does that happen?
1: Well, Steve has, uh, he's teaching an automation and controls course in in the plastics engineering program. And um, a a part of that is having students go in and and write code to manipulate a robotic arm to pick in place um, product. And this is just not possible in a face-to-face environment uh, when we have, you know, remote uh, learning orders. So uh, he went out and worked with the the manufacturer, uh, created a a laboratory where he could have students write code, submit it uh, virtually, load it to the system, and he can actually see the code that's running through the robotic arm uh, as it's happening in real time. And so he can coach the students if there's a bug that they need to, to correct um, and, and kind of coach them through the process. The students see what's happening in real life or real time through the Zoom camera. And, and so um, this has really been a, a way for, for us to, to extend this hands-on learning experience, even when the students can't get into the laboratories.
0: I can remember when I joined Ferris, which, which was a while ago, but I was really taken by the depth and the breadth of the programs in your college. I, I don't know if there's a, a larger college, a more diverse college of, of programs in engineering technology in the country. How do you see this?
1: I, I agree. I think that the, uh, the the breadth and the depth of of programs is is quite amazing. Um, everything from you know automotive engineering technology and heavy equipment to manufacturing and and uh, plastics and rubber. Uh, in the built environment area, we have an outstanding construction management program, uh, the architecture and sustainability program, uh, facilities management. It really spans um, a, a very wide. Um, kind of field of, of engineering and engineering technology. Um, however, within each of these, you, you've got dedicated faculty that bring a depth of experience, both academic and, um, and practice experience. And, and I like to call these scholar practitioners. I think almost every one of our faculty to a person I would consider a scholar practitioner. They bring a world of experience, a lifetime of experience into the classroom. And, and that, as I said before, just, just really builds a work-ready graduate.
0: They are extraordinary faculty, and some of the facilities they work in are, are really interesting, unique, and some, what I would consider world-class examples.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. The Swan Building uh, is, is new, or relatively new, coming in. Uh, I haven't seen equipment like that all in one place, I don't think, in, in any um, uh, engineering technology program. Um, walking into um, the automotive and, and heavy equipment uh, facilities, the 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 dynos and the equipment that they're running, um, the Granger Building is is a living laboratory. I mean, just walking into the building and seeing the exposed structures and systems, uh, it's it's really quite amazing.
0: And the Granger Building is for our HVACR program and our construction management program. Yes, that's right. And you have some fascinating pieces in your engineering background. You worked with the the aerospace industry. Uh, you want to talk just a bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I've I've done some work for um, you know Lockheed Martin and NASA. I've I've really had a um, a, a a remarkable kind of a, I feel kind of blessed that I've I've had that kind of luck in in my my career. Uh, I've designed um, kind of. Uh, advanced aerospace laboratories for NASA. One of them included antimatter propulsion research for the Marshall Space Flight Center. It's one of the few places in the world where they actually work with uh, antimatter and and produce propulsion uh, engines, um, magnetohydrodynamics, and just all kinds of really fun things. Um, And then at the other extreme, worked with Disney and Universal Studios designing some uh, really interesting um, themed attractions, uh, like Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was one of the first themed attractions that that I was a part of. And uh, interesting enough, some of the, you know, the process gases and, and control systems that are in the theme park industries uh, are very similar to what you find in some of the aerospace laboratories.
0: How fascinating. And, and you also worked with manufactured housing and tiny houses. Talk, talk
1: yeah, about that yes. a little bit. So this was a project uh, we started trying to to, to tackle the affordable housing issue. And and so we worked with uh, students um, and a local uh, tiny house manufacturer to to build uh, tiny houses. And the the goal was to build, um, design and build the first fully code compliant tiny house in the state of Florida, which we did. We got full authorization from the state to to build. Um, We got funding from uh, a a veteran support organization and ended up building the very first uh, code compliant tiny house uh, for a disabled veteran. He was a Marine um, who was uh, unfortunately uh, impacted with an IED and uh, needed a place to, to live with him and his, his uh, companion uh, dog. And, and so we, we built the uh, tiny house, we got it fully approved and set on a lot um, and he's living there today.
0: I think most of us understand that a tiny house means that it's really small, but what what are the character what, what are the dimensions or the characteristics of a tiny house
1: this this uh, tiny house was uh, eleven feet wide and and uh, twenty feet long. so uh, you're 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 looking at a very small uh, facility um, and it, many people have probably seen these on on television shows. You know you walk in and the the beds are stacked and and usually on a loft which wasn't possible with the uh, disabled veterans so we had a a bedroom on the first floor a kitchen a bathroom and a little living area and many of these spaces you know kind of formed dual purposes and and it was really uh interesting how the students came together and designed these spaces uh specifically uh for for kind of dual use and for um uh, a veteran who had limited mobility
0: fascinating absolutely fascinating and then you had you had some some good fortune in, in securing a national science foundation grant also didn't you
1: yeah we've had um yeah so i've some experience with the national science foundation grants and ate uh, project and um uh, this was really about uh, how to increase completion rates uh in engineering and engineering technology education and and that exposed you know us to a lot of uh, research and allowed us to try some some very unique um uh kind of uh, processes for, for how to get people, uh, recruit, retaining, complete students, which is our primary goal. And, and uh, carry, I carry those uh, outputs with me all the time. It's been, it was a great experience. I'm looking forward to um, introducing more of our faculty to the National Science Foundation and the grants that, that they offer. Uh, I think many of our professional practice and applied uh, programs would be uh, kind of outstanding grant uh, projects. That sounds exciting.
0: Now, we're just finishing the fall semester here at Ferris, your first full semester. Yeah. What are some of the opportunities you see here uh, after being on our campus almost six months?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that there's a lot of outstanding uh, programs and and activities happening already. And and not to take away from any of those, I, I think faculty are doing an outstanding job. Um, I've seen kind of this continuous improvement model. Everybody's trying to enhance their programs as they move forward, but I think there are a couple of areas we have identified that could help us with enrollment growth. Uh, The first one is uh, building um, an AAS to BS completion program to enhance more community college transfers. Um, This is an opportunity, I think, you know, building on the work you did years ago with community college outreach. um, The College of Engineering Technology Uh, I think has an opportunity to take more uh, advantage of that pipeline. Um, We're looking at adding a graduate program. This will be our first uh, um, master's degree in engineering. Um, The master of engineering is really kind of focused on professional practice rather than peer research, uh, which stays true to the DNA of of Ferris. Um, Another thing that I would really like to do is, is kind of go back and infuse this idea of creativity, innovation, and entrepreneurship into all of our engineering and engineering technology programs. I think this is, is so important as we look forward to, uh, you know, solving some of the world's biggest problems, but, but also even just engineers designing the products and services that can help drive our economy forward.
0: That, that, those are exciting ideas, and one of the things that I've always been impressed with our faculty at Ferris is their willingness to develop new programs, to work on curriculum, I've never worked any place where the faculty are more engaged in terms of inventing that next program or figuring out what that next opportunity is. And it sounds like you're harnessing this energy, both in connections with community colleges and at the master's level.
1: Yeah, I think that that's that's absolutely true. I've seen this, kind of innovative spirit in in many of our faculty uh, that are looking to enhance the programs they have and and looking uh, to the future. What are the emerging technology areas? Um, One area that I see is is kind of emerging and perhaps um, integrating back to almost all the programs that we offer is uh, automation and controls. You know, we're seeing more and more robotic systems and automation in every industry. It's not just manufacturing anymore, Uh, you know, retail, uh, warehousing, even the themed park uh, environments that we talked about earlier, are all using robotic systems and automation. And so, um, I think that we have an opportunity to kind of create a world-class automation and control center here. Uh, we have automation and controls in kind of the heart of our our applied uh, uh, laboratories, and and maybe have a head start from from some of the um, or theoretical uh, programs across the country that, that don't really have the same kinds of hands-on approach to, to robotics and controls that we do. And, and so I'm really interested in how that might evolve over the next couple of years.
0: That is interesting, and I haven't done much of this this fall, but when I, when I give university tours to guests, there are always some places in your college that I walk through, and for a while there, I thought that every time I walked through our welding engineering technology program, that there was another robot there that I hadn't seen before. So it, it certainly has been growing.
1: Yes, it, it absolutely has. And I don't think it's going to stop. Um, as, as we get forward, it's, it's uh, now uh, moving uh, into artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I think the, um, the outer limits of this have, have really not been explored. And, and, and I, I really believe that Ferris um, will be at the national uh, stage when it comes to automation controls.
0: I, I certainly hear from our graduates from these programs and how well they do and how quickly they advance because of the, the hands-on training that they receive from you and your faculty.
1: Well, I, that's good to hear, but it's not surprising. I, I think the faculty are just top-notch.
0: So, what are some of your special interests? We talked a little bit about your engineering background. What what are some of your interests?
1: Well, I'm an engineering geek at heart. I, I like Camping and fishing and sailing. I have built a number of boats over the years. Um, I have built a little teardrop camper that that I use to go camping in, and so I like to do things like that. Um, I have also kind of grown an interest in service learning. I have uh, taken students on service learning projects, uh, you know, both here in the United States and to places like Peru and Bolivia. Um, where we were able to, to use our engineering skills to enhance the, the lives of others. I think that's such an important uh, lesson to teach our students that the skills that they're learning as, as engineers and engineering technologists uh, can really make a difference in the lives of so many people. And and so going on these, these projects, um, give them an opportunity to uh, use those skills on an applied project, which is good in and of itself, but to see them and, and have them understand that they can really make a difference uh, in the lives of others uh, is also transformational.
0: Well, that that's very exciting. And I think service learning is something that is a, is a wonderful fit for our programs here at Ferris. So advancing that and you know, there are already a number of activities underway in, in your college, but to consider how those are, those are increased is really exciting. Yeah. Well, I understand that The first semester as a a dean is almost like drinking from a fire hose the whole time. (laughs) Sometimes it feels more like a fire hydrant, I think. Uh, What are some of the lessons you've learned so far?
1: Well, I have uh, been trying to learn, you know, the people and programs uh, uh, remotely. um, And uh, I have been learning a lot about um, the individual programs and, and some of our students, where students come from and, and what their ambitions and kind of at career aspirations are, um, trying to learn some of the the new you know college policies and procedures, the university policies and procedures, um, learning uh, my peer group. I've spent a little time trying to get to, to know the other deans uh, on Zoom calls, um, and uh, my bo- direct boss is is the provost is new as well, and so we've had a, a good amount of time trying to get to know each other and and trying to figure out how. Uh, to take the the excellent programs we have today and and create a growth plan for the future.
0: Well, we're we're absolutely delighted to have you at Ferris, and we look forward to great things uh, from you and your faculty, College of Engineering and Technology. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. We're yeah. glad to have you.
1: Well, thanks for having me, and I'm 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 really excited to be here. We can't I can't wait to to the post COVID environment when we can really get uh, to know each other and interact a little bit more. Um and 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 really see the the college blossom and, and grow
0: Well, thanks for being a part of our program today. I know people look forward to meeting you in person and when it's yeah. when we can walk around the campus with a little bit more freedom. yes. I'm Dave Eisner. Our guest today has been Dr. Michael Staley, the new new dean of the College of Engineering Technology. This is Ferris Ford, and we thank you for joining us today. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>